Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by DeerCast. This is episode number 340, if you're counting. I'm Tim Chelsea. I'm Matt Drury, and I'm excited because we got a very <laughs> legendary guest today. Holy cow. Okay, so we've got, uh, so he's been in the outdoor industry for over 35 years. He's an author. He's a TV host. He's a pianist. He's a producer. Uh... He also is into health and fitness. It's Mr. Roger Raglan. Roger, what's up, man? Doing good. Doing good. Up and at him. Another day above ground is always a good day. <laughs> That's right. So true. Roger, I'm super pumped to talk to you because I, and I wanted to have you in studio because I just, I'm fascinated. I love, you know, following along on social media, you know, when we get to see you guys or see you, your son at the trade shows, like we just love talking to you. You've been doing it a long time, just like Mark and Terry. And, uh, I know there's some war stories in there, but in general, I just want to say thank you because I enjoy the content you put out and it's a pleasure Anytime I get to see your morning cup of coffee and, you know, anything you're putting out on social media, I really, really enjoy it. So I wanted to start off by saying thank you, and uh, we're, it's a pleasure for us to have you on today. Thank you. Good to be here, and, and always, uh, you know, the the, the, the jury the juries are uh, royalty in the outdoor industry, so and I, I brag on Mark and Terry uh, uh, all the time, and and then I try to do my part and keep on a mumble too. So, you know, I may, may throw that in here while we're talking, you know, they but, need that. Uh, <laughs> my, my, honor to, my honor to be here today. Well, we appreciate it. So, you know, as we, as we head into deer season here, you know, you, you're famous for your, of course you live down there in Oklahoma and, and we get a good flair of that kind of Oklahoma, Texas, kind of whitetail hunting, but you travel everywhere. You've always traveled everywhere. So are you, you know, have you been on any hunting trips? Are you slowing down at all? Are you getting ready to heat up here now that it's October and we actually have a cold front on its way? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not as mad at them as I used to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, and no doubt about it, I'm, uh, I just had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, so I, I'm definitely slowing down just a little bit. But yeah, we're, we're getting, I'm getting geared up and I still, I still enjoy it. Uh, uh, my hunting seasons are a little bit different than they were, you know, when I started 30, 37, this is my 37th year in the industry. Nice. Wow. And uh, things have changed, but I still, I still like going, you know, I still get that rush and that, that kick and that thrill and, and, uh. And I, and I, and I still like, you know, being around, uh, the young people and, and being around the veterans, being around people, you know, that, that have an opportunity to, to, uh, whether it's their first deer or their, whether it's their second deer, whether it's their biggest deer, I like other people's success stories. And, and, uh, back when I know that Mark and Terry, uh, just, you, was it, was it last year, year before last were, uh, Inducted into the yep. Hall of Fame. Yep, a couple years ago. Yep, I didn't get a chance to go to that, and uh, very well deserved. And I was, I was inducted, uh, rightfully so, before they were. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, a few years ago, I was inducted. In 2000, when they called me, 
and said, uh, uh, I was, I, we were coming back, believe it or not, I'm not a big turkey hunter, but we'd been in Tennessee turkey hunting. And they called me on the phone and told me I was going to be inducted. And I, and I, I actually uh, said, let me think about it. I know, and I know it sounds terrible to say that, but I said, let me think. And I, and I, I called them back a day or two later. And I said, if you're going to put me, because I've killed a bunch of big deer, I don't know that I'm interested in that. I said, but if you're going to induct me because I have, uh, been a positive influence on the industry and helped a lot of guys be successful. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I'm proud of that. And I think that's the, the one thing that I am proudest of is not the fact that I've, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be 70 next year. I'm, I'm almost 70 years old. And so I've been going a long time. And, uh, and, and so I, it just makes sense. I've shot a lot, a lot of nice deer, a lot of them, you know, but, but I'm really proud of the fact that that even back, you know, when I started in the video days, and then then Mark and Terry shortly thereafter got involved. The the, the guys that came out of the video business, we really set up a, a a the groundwork for teaching and helping guys understand how to white be successful whitetail hunters, and and we came out of that mode. And I'm very proud of of what we accomplished. Back in the late '80s and early '90s, giving guys information to help them be successful, and uh, th- that's what I'm really most proud of. And I'll bet—I just bet you, Mark and Terry feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Abs- you know that, that we were kind of the pioneers, and of course, there, was, there wasn't anything before us. <laughs> uh, the pen was king. The writers, you know, you—you uh, you, you read out of the magazines and store. And so when the hunting videos kicked up in the mid eighties, you know, that was the first time that guys got to visually hear someone talk about whitetail hunting and they got to visually see, I remember, uh, uh, I remember seeing the very first kill scene of my life, bow hunting October whitetails with the Wenzels. Yeah. You got to be that's a man. That's an old pioneer video. Oh yeah, you know? hey, it's a classic. They, they actually showed killing a deer with a bow, and I thought, oh man, how cool is that? You know. <laughs> and so we came out of that era, you know, and 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 so I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 proudest of the fact that that of of the positive influence that that uh, myself and the Drurys and and the the old the the pioneers yeah. in the in the in the outdoor media industry. The, the influence that we had on on hunters and and it still goes to the I hate to admit it but I go to I go to I go to deer shows or even on the internet stuff or, and on social media and it's constantly boy I liked your old videos we went and watch it you know, were back in the old you know, you know that, that was still some of the best work we ever did was back in the old video days you know and I, I, I play it, but they were they were commercial free. <laughs> That's right. I won't get in trouble by saying that, probably, you know. But it, but it was true. We didn't have any sponsors, you know. And that's uh, you're hitting on it there because it was such a different. I often look back at those original videos, and and I know you still write your shows, and you still have a hand in, in the VOs and all that stuff. For us, our production model has changed quite a bit. But back then, like you, Mark and Terry were writing all the VOs. They were voicing all the voice, you know, the VOs. It was it was a, you know, it was a it was a major production, right? And it's now because of the way content 
you know, online or on the TV shows, like we have to spit it out so quickly. It's, we've lost a little bit of that storytelling. We still tell great stories. It's just different than what it used to be. And I, and I, we get that comment that you're getting, we get it a lot too. The original white tail madness videos are, you know, the right place, right time or first time in, or like those original videos mm -hmm. are what people love. And, uh, you know, it's nostalgic, I think for a lot of folks too. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and and I, you know, I, I mean, I will be the first to admit that the transition. I didn't get into Mark and Terry were in television before me. I was one of the last guys. I had never planned on doing television, but the video business just dried up, and, yeah. it, and it wasn't overnight. But boy, in a matter of just a few years, it went from being the humming Jesse to just uh, nothing almost. And so in 2003, my first year was actually Michael's, Waddell's, uh, uh, Michael uh, Road Trip. Yeah, Michael trip Road Trip to Michael yeah. Waddell. So our first year, we were together the first year in 2003. But that transition to television was really difficult for me, you know, because I, and I still think I have, and, and I know Mark and Terry probably have some favorites, but I have a handful of videos out there invading big, but let me tell you, if there's ever been a better, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but invading big buck bedding areas is one of the greatest white-tailed deer videos in history. And I, I still to this day can't produce stuff that was that good. Yeah. You know? But we, but when you, the, but the video things, you know, you weren't on the clock, you know, I mean, you didn't have to, when I got to an animal, you know, if I want to talk five or six or 10 minutes about, the hunt and shooting him and I could just let it roll, you know? And, and, uh, and so we were, you know, that the video was 90 minutes. Great. But if it was two and a half hours, it didn't make any difference. <laughs> yeah. you know, we were unlimited and, and I miss, I miss, I miss that part of it. The know? storytelling was just different. And we talk about it internally, what? you know, it's, it's, we have to, for TV, we have to cut it down so much in what people are seeing are the best 30 minutes. It's really about the best 12 minutes when you get count all the actual hunting footage mm -hmm. and, you know, from a, from an entire season or our section of the season. Whereas those old videos, you might focus on a hunt for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it took to tell the, the perfect story. Well, we've kind of started transitioning to that with our YouTube and DeerCast content now. It's like kind of going back to that. We're still cutting down for TV, but we're able to tell these long stories again. And it's and it's it's kind of nice to go back to that style. It, it is. It is. And guys, enjoy, and guys enjoy that, you know. But, you know, it, I mean, I'm the first to admit, you know, t television is what it is. And, and, and we're under we're obligated to do certain amount of things. Mm -hmm. If you want if we want to stay on television, you know, we have to have sponsors and they have to be promoted. And, and you get basically a five minute block. Yeah. <laughs> There's four five minute blocks, you know, yeah. and then uh, it's it's hard. To, it's hard to cut and trim and you know, whack it down to where uh to where it fit, it fits into that time slot, you know. But uh, Roger, but anyway, it, it it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've had a I, I kind of pinch myself all the time. I and I still, I had a buddy of mine that I went to college with came by to see me uh, this past Sunday, and I got to spend a few hours with him. We were closest to friends, and and I told him I said, you know, I I still can't believe that I have got to do this hmm. for the last thirty seven years of my life. I said, I cannot believe I have to pinch myself 
Uh, I would have never dreamed that I was going to get to even be in the outdoor industry. And, and now, now I, I, Mark and Terry probably had a plan. I didn't have a plan. I just wanted to see if I could make a hunting video. That I, was it. I think you're I just wanted to see if I could. You know? I think you're giving them and too it, much credit. I, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. But, uh, but anyway, it's been, it's been a good run and I'm still, I'm still doing it, but I am, you know, uh, slowing down is a pretty good word. I'm, I'm kind of slowing a little bit. I'm pretty picky on the hunts I take and, yeah. and, and, uh, uh, I'm getting a little, little bit lazier in my old age. Hey, you deserve uh, it. I, well, I still like going. I still like going. And I still like letting the air out of it too. There's no doubt <laughs> about it. Passion's still there. Roger, you know, when, when, uh, one of the things I've always appreciated about your work is you have such an attention to the drama that unfolds in, a, in the hunt and you have a real eye for showmanship. I, I, you know, I see a lot of outdoor media now and it's just kind of flat. Like, here's what happened and there's, there's nothing to it. But I, I wonder where, where that came from. Cause I, I think that that drama and the showmanship really set you apart and probably was a key component to your success over the past 37 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And believe it or not, I, I think I came, a lot of that came from my dad hmm. and my dad was a rough, gruff, tough guy. He went, now, now I was, I was an only child and, but I've heard my mother say that my dad was not an educated man. He was rough around the edges and he was, but they were involved in politics. And so I grew up in politics and I have watched my dad and I heard my mother say a hundred times, if your dad had had an education, he could have been a United States Senator, hmm. but I've watched my dad MC events and it, and he'd get up in front of a crowd and he just rolled out of him. It was just a natural thing for him. So I think I inherited a little bit of that from my dad. Hmm. And, uh, and, and also, you know, uh, I went to school for a long time. Originally when I was a young man, I'd planned on going into the ministry. Okay. So, uh, uh, and then I just stayed in school, you know, that, 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 you know, I, that the, oh, we could talk a long time about that you know i've I got four i got four college degrees i was in school nine years oh boy and uh and then i just i just when i i graduated i finished at duke i've got my second master's degree at duke university and i was going to do a phd at vanderbilt and i just kind of turned around and walked off from it and uh and started painting apartments in tulsa folks love that I just, I just, that's not what i want to do now and yeah they Call me the smartest painter in Tulsa. <laughs> I go into certain school. They're smartest painter. Uh, they yell at me one. I went in and, and of course I'm covered in paint. And, and, uh, and they I go, hey, they're the smartest painter in Tulsa. I'm standing next to a guy covered in paint too. And he goes, why do they call you the smartest painter in Tulsa? I said, well, I went to school ninety. I have four college degrees, two masters. I got a master's degree from Duke. He said, I got a PhD from Baylor. I said, well, I'm the second smartest painter. In Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> what did your folks uh, think? Did of you know, for a long time, but, but, but so I was, you know, and being a, you know, I'm a piano player. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was in front of audiences a lot uh, playing, you know, uh, uh, in college in particular, you know, I got to play at beauty pageants and, and, you know, I went to, went to I went to college on uh, full scholarships for two years and I didn't even take music classes. I'll figure that one out. <laughs> so I kind of made a name for myself as a pianist. So I'm up in front of people a lot. So a lot of, uh, a lot of that comes from just, you know, maybe being kind of lucky, you yeah. know, uh, 
having a little bit of a background in that. But right. and also let, let me let me let me throw this in here. You brought it up. My, the first year I I, I I showed this one time, the very first hunt I ever went on in 1987, uh, uh, August 1st, I, we went, we flew to Reno and I had the first non-resident antelope permit in modern California state history. There was no non-resident. And we flew to Reno and hunted up in Northern California for antelope. And you should see the footage from, from that first video thing I ever did. I couldn't even say my name. I was so uptight. <laughs> and, just, you know, and when I got off the airplane back, I'll, I'll never forget this. My wife picked me up. We had th three, our kids were little bitty. Then we picked me up at the airport. And I told her right then, getting in the car, I said, I can't do that. I don't think I can do this. She said, what do you mean? I said, I just can't do it. I'm not cut out for this. I'm just, and she just real nonchalant. She just said, well, it was your first time. She goes, you got another antelope hunt coming up here in a few. Go again. Try one more time, you know. And then the next time I did a little bit better, you know, and, and so I, you know, I, I kind of warmed up to but I started out, but let me tell you, I, I, it, it was being in front of that camera. When that camera comes on, that red light comes on, you know, <laughs> rear end gets about this tight. <laughs> so I, I had to kind of warm into it now. What but, kind uh, of crew did you have but, with you when you went out for that first time? What's that? What kind of production crew did you have with you? I, this is the craziest story. Uh, back then, of course, shooting on three quarter inch SP tapes. Well, I'm sure Mark and Terry did too. Yeah. Shoot on th probably started out on three quarter. And those, those cameras were expensive. They were fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 of cool. three quarter inch cameras. And, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have hardly any money. I had, I had a good summer painting and I'd saved up a little bit. And the, the long story short, I actually, I hired Jimmy Houston Productions, oh, and wow. I didn't deal with Jimmy Houston. I dealt with Charles Wilsey, who ran their company, and I, I had a camera. They sent a cameraman out and a sound man, and so I traveled with them that first year, and, and I don't even want to If I told you how much per day it was, spent every nickel I had, every oh, dime oh I scraped up, every, you know. And we and we just got lucky. We had not, I think we had nineteen first day kills. We oh. went all fall until I just flat run out of money, just flat run out of money. And it was right before Christmas. I called my dad, and I said, "I need to talk to you." I had a coup. My coup's there. I originally wanted to do a, the, the Grand Slam of deer. Mm -hmm. Craig Boddington had wrote an article a couple years ago about the Grand Slam of deer. I, I, so I had to have coup's deer hunt right after Christmas in Arizona. Didn't have any money. Owed Charlie Will owed him a bunch. I owed him several thousand dollars. And, and and he met me up on the 23rd of December, met me up in Tulsa, and I said, I need I need to borrow ten thousand dollars. He goes, When do you need it? Today. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Let me let me yeah. tell you, nineteen ten thousand dollars was a lot of it. It's a lot of money now. Yeah, it was a lot with of the mob. And he and I uh, and I and I just told him, I said, I, I need it. I'm I said, I, I don't even have money to make my, my truck payment. I said, I, I got to make, I said, I got to give Houston Productions some money because I got this coos deer hunt. Supposed to leave day after Christmas. And I said, I'll pay you back. And I, I, let me tell you what, he's my dad. I paid him back. <laughs> he just wrote me a check, man. I made a beeline to the, to the bank and then went straight to the Houston Productions. And I, I wrote a check for five grand, which didn't even cover what I owed him. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. 
<laughs> and I, I went in there. Charlie was in the office. He's getting ready. To, and I handed him that check for 5000 And I'll never forget, he flipped it back at me. And I, I caught it in the air. I remember I caught it in the air. He flipped it back at me. He goes, that doesn't even cover what you owe us right now. Ooh. And I held that $5,000 check up. And I said, you take this money right now. Because he, he kept all the masters. They were over there up against the wall. I said, you take this $5,000 check right now and, and let us go on that coos deer hunt here in a couple of days. Or I'm going to walk out of here, never give you another dime. And you can take all them them tapes over there. Get You can make your own hunting video and see if you can get your money back that way. He said, "Give me have that check." <laughs> <laughs> so and we went. I killed a coos deer first day. Killed a coos deer first day. And anyway, it uh, it is. Uh, we all. I'm sure we all got horror stories like oh, yeah. that. I, mean, I bet you. I bet Mark and Terry could tell some good ones they, too. They so. do. Uh, so after you filmed that coos deer, did then you have to spend money to have them edit it, or was the production cost wrapped into the editing cost? Okay. That's a great question. Okay. So boom, now I'm broke. <laughs> I'm broke. I still owe, I still owe them money. Man, I, you know, I had a wife and we had two babies and diapers oh. and, and I just, I said, I got to find, I, so I had to get back and get busy, get to work. And I literally just put it on a shelf, put it on a shelf. And in August, my mom, dad, dad came up, to see the, see the granddaughter. I had two little grand girls mm -hmm. And uh, uh, my dad was with the girls in the other room, and I'm sitting there next to my mom. And she said, whatever happened to all that hunting and filming you did last year? I said, well, I owe, I owe Houston Productions. I still owe them like 8000 I still owe them like $8,000, Mom. And I said, then I got I to gotta have money to edit. I said, I don't. She goes, well, how much money do you need? I said, well, I probably have to have $15,000. Oh. And my mom opened up her purse. Now, and she really did this. She said, now, don't tell your dad about this. Uh. Now, this was her money. It wasn't there. It was her money. Uh. And she had a wad, $100 bills. It was $17,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> she goes, go pay them off and make that, make, make your video and get it out there and see how it goes. How special. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my mom did that. You know, I could get real emotional talking about that. I bet. But I went down to Charlie's next, that next day, went went up there and I had the check. I said, there. I said, now I don't owe you a dime. We're paid off. He goes, yeah. I said, I want to edit. I want to edit uh, my first my first video, Grand Slam of Deer. I said, and here's $2,500 towards that. I have the money to pay for it. He goes, it's going to take probably five, six, seven thousand dollars hundred dollars an hour is what, but I only edited late at night. He had a high school senior going to sit in, going to edit for a hundred bucks. And wow. I, I said, yeah, I said, I got the money. And, and we, we did, we did that and come up with, a, you know, holy cow, the grand slam of deer, Jiminy Christmas. Wow. And, and I went, and then went, of course, you know, we, I know that I know there's some there's some issues uh, with uh, DMI with the breweries. Yeah. So we're, we're but but the largest video distributor in the nation was DMI over in Oklahoma City. Yeah. The largest by far. And they he knew 
knew who I was because I'd gone over and talked to him two or three times. I'm going to make some hunting videos. You know, I was all excited. About Sheen Ray. It. So I go over there to Sheen Ray. Sheen Ray. And I and I had, there it is. I got my hunt. I got my video. He goes, well, let's go. Let's go. Let me go look at it. It's two hours long. And uh, he goes, let's go to my apartment. Go to the apartment. And I'll watch it. So we go to his apartment there, close, you know, not close, not far from where their offices is. And I said, I'm going to stay outside. I didn't want to sit there and watch it with him. I didn't have, I said, I'm going to stay outside. So I stood outside for two hours while he watched. He come out and he said, uh, well, it's got some problems. I said, yeah, probably. <laughs> he goes, I think I can sell it, though. Huh? He goes, uh, order a thousand of them for me. I thought, thousand? Wow. <laughs> Okay. He goes, uh, use Denver, Denver dubbing, use Denver dubbing. He goes, send the master over there and order, tell him I'll take a thousand. And that's, you know, that's, you know, so he goes, when can you, so about a week later, he called me, he said, uh, or a couple of weeks later, he goes, when can you, I had enough for two. I could, I could make another one, a video of just mule deer and antelope, yeah. this, that. And that. I said, well, I'll get another one out here pretty quick. You know, if I can, yeah, take me back. He goes, we get it out here as quick as we can. Mm-hmm. So, quest for a Boone and Crockett. It wasn't, boy, it was, it wasn't very good, you know. But, but we got it out. So about uh, end of September, Shane called me. He said, uh, "Come over here. I want to talk to you." I said, "Okay." You know, so I drove over there. It's hundred miles. Drove over there. He goes, "People, uh, people seem to like watching you." He goes, I want you to make me some more videos. I said, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of money. Well, I'm done. I said, it'll probably take me two or three years. To get- I had $100,000 tied. I- I'd spend a bunch of money. I said, no, nah, no, thanks. No, I go- he goes, well, he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, well, I think I can. Re-. He goes, I- I'm going to front you the money. Hmm. I'm going to put the money up for it. But you got to let me pick. You, uh, who's the cameraman? He goes, we got to, I got to get you in front of somebody else for a cameraman. He goes, you can either use Stony Wolf Productions or a guy named Wade Nolan. And Wade, and Wade was, did you ever, did you ever know Wade? I know of Wade? Wade. I know of Wade and yeah. Stony. Yeah. Yeah. And he worked, he lived in Anchorage, Alaska and he worked by himself and he, and he was 400 a day, 400 a day. Ooh, boy. Stony Wolf, Stony Wolf was 700 a day. Yeah. Jeez. So I said, uh, well, let me think about it. I thought, well, you know, he's going to front the money. And and all I got to do is find some hunts. I'll find some. I'll go some. We can go on some hunts. You yeah. Know? So I talked to Darlene about it. And she said, well, I, whatever you, you know, I mean, I'm, I was, you know, I had several apartments that I was in charge, but I had a guy that could help. I, she was, I said, you know, you're going to have to kind of help. Well, I'm gone. Da, 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 da. So anyway, I did hard way and we hit it off. And Wade was a professional. Wade really was a professional. Hmm. And Wade, Wade helped me when, right off the bat. We would be shooting stand-ups and stuff, and he'd say, "Wait a minute." He goes, "Let's do this. You talk a little while. I'm going to move the camera." He goes, "He goes, he goes. You've got a knack for for talking." He goes, "He goes. It's all good. Try not to be too long." But he worked with me, and Wade wouldn't shoot anything unless it was on a tripod. He would not shoot anything. And let anything unless it was on a truck. So everything was first class. Hmm. 
and and we we went to a, a on a state park thing, just pure luck, stumbled into a a fight scene between a, two big bucks. Just drove up on them, getting ready to square off, and we got this footage that was just out of this world. It was out of the. It was a pieball buck, and both of them were. Wow. And they just about killed each other right in front of. It was Jeez. just a miracle. It was a miracle deal. And uh, but anyway, I, I came up and we got some good footage, and it was and 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 since Wade shot it, all the everything was just solid. It was solid. And the next video I came out with was a, uh, I sub with a subtitle: "Whitetails East of the Mississippi, Plenty of Big Bucks to Spare," is what <laughs> I named it. And it only had three kill scenes had three kill scenes, but one of the kill scenes I rattled in this buck, just come running right in, kill him with a bow. Mm-hmm. And the other ones I think were gun kills. But I told some rattling stories, you know, and I threw that what that that incredible footage of those bucks fighting in there. And that thing took off like oh when it started when Sheen got that tape, it just flew off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean of course the the market was the rental market. Yeah. yeah. The rental market wasn't sell-through market. The rental market, and they would some rental stores would order one, and they and 39, 49, 95 is what they had to pay for them back in nineteen eighty-eight yeah. or 80, 1989 was this year, and and they'd call back and say, I can't, I got a, a waiting list of three months for that tape. Send me two more of them, <laughs> and it became the number one white-tailed deer selling video in the nation that year. And that one put me on the map. That's awesome. That one put me on the map. So for- and, uh, and then the very next year, I thought, I t- I'll, I'll never forget, I'll sit down with Darlene. I said, I'm, I'm making more money selling hunting videos than I am painting. I said, I think I'm just going to start making hunting videos. And I went I went full-time making hunting videos then, you know. And, but, but it kind of gave me a template on what yeah. to do, you know, a format to follow. And, uh, and so the, you know, the next, you know, eight or 10 or 12, 15 tapes, they were really pretty solid. Yeah. You know, they were pretty solid. And, and, uh, so anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's incredible. Did Sheen have the prison system there in Oklahoma selling the videos for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- 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 this is what a lot of, a lot of people are shocked or shocked <laughs> that the selling, the selling force, and he had two or three phones going there at DMI he had two or three people on the phone. But the selling force was down at Lexington Maximum Security Prison, mm-hmm. South of Oklahoma City, down by Purcell, Oklahoma, Purcell and Lexington. And I, I'd go down there. I'd go in, you know, and, and it was the it was the most successful uh, prison uh, uh, program in the history of the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> they had 24 phones, 24 phones. It was the number one job that everybody at the prison wanted to get in sure. on. You know, you go through and you got a guy with armed, armed with a shotgun walking you through a maximum security prison to the building. And it was the only air conditioned, at that time, the only air conditioned building at the prison. Uh-huh. And you go in and they're right in the middle of this huge, there's 24 guys on the phone calling, you know, 50, 50 states in Canada and Canada and sometimes overseas, you know, on the phone. And, and these people didn't know they were talking to a prisoner, you know, and, and, you know, and they had, they all had certain accounts in certain regions and, 
I'd, you know, I'd go walk around, chum with them and talk. I'll never forget. I, I sit down by one guy and he said, he, he goes, this is a phone number to my son. I go, oh yeah. He goes, yeah, he's, he's 14 now and he likes to hunt. He goes, would you call him and uh, just say hi for me? Oh. I said, well, yeah. Yeah. He goes, I, I hadn't seen him since he was seven or eight. Uh-huh. He said, I haven't seen him since he was, he goes, and I, I may never get to see him again. I said, well, what? He goes, well, I'm, I'm a lifer. I'm in here for murder. He goes, and they're never going to let me out. Uh-huh. Boy, that'll make your butt pucker a little bit, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah, but that was the, that was the sale force. Yeah. And it was, and it was successful, you know, and they, and they, they swap them out. And so, I mean, if, if, if in the rental market, as, back in the heyday in the 88, 89, 90, there were over 12,000 outlets that, that rented hunting videos. It's hard to believe over 12,000. And then in a matter of just a few years, that dwindled down to half. Sheen would tell me, he said, we'd, we'd get orders and everything went COD. Yeah. Everything they shipped out of the DMI went COD. He goes, they'll order a bunch of tapes and we'll send out COD. And before it can get to them, they've gone out of business and they return them. Uh-huh. I mean, it just, just mom and Paul kettle stores that just started dwindling down to, to almost nothing, you know. And, and that's when Blockbuster was really growing at that same time, right? Blockbuster was block, Blockbuster was growing, but but the video business really by I know I know in 1994 I released I thought boy I'm going to have a big year. I had four videos. I released four, four new videos, and uh, and I you know Chain ordered like 15, 12 or fifteen hundred each and. Boy, I, I told Darlene, I said, hey, we're going to make some money this year. I'm, boy, this, you know, I was all fired up. Now, I didn't hear from him for six weeks. I finally called him. I said, what's going on? He goes, well, it was market soft. He goes, he goes, and, and our, 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 our database is, is shrunk by two thirds. Mm. He goes, I just, I don't need any more right now. And I knew right then, oh, this is not good. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's right about the time in 95 and 96 that the outdoor channel come along and guys started making immediately started making the transition to television and television really kind of started taking over for the video business. And by the year 2000, the video business was just really just just almost dead. Yeah, it was. It was just almost. And by then, it was Walmart, it was Bass Pro, Cabela's. There was only a few outlets that really was taking, you know, DVDs at that time. Uh, But then that really started shrinking up in the early 2000s. And we we were the same as you. It was 2003 when we first got to Outdoor Channel. So we were still holding on to that video, you know, business. But it was, uh, you know, everything you could do to to get – it was I, – I just remember, you know, those years, they, it started getting tougher and tougher and tougher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and television really changed that. It, it changed. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and it, it moved to this, to the sell through market yeah. and the sell through market. The price just kept going down, yeah. down and down and down. We had, we only tell you that you're going to get a kick out of this. We tried for years, you know, now I, I had a close association with Stony Wolf productions in 1999, 80, 1998 or 99. I sold the marketing rights for my videos to Stony Wolf. And so that's what allowed me to go into tremendous debt where I live right now. <laughs> but, uh, but I sold the marketing rights to Stony Wolf 
And and we tried for years to try to get the Walmart business. Yeah. Try to get to boy, you know, that was the ticket. Yeah. Back in the back in the early night, it, the Walmart business is what mm. you were after. But it was just hard, you know. It was hard to get in. And so just a just a, a few years after that, uh, Dave Franey, I talked to Dave once a week. We're we're still very, very close friends. Dave called me and said, Hey, guess what? We're gonna get the Walmart business. I said, Well, that's good. He goes, we're going to get 10 spots. He goes, I'm going to give you one of them. Which which video you? I said, well, I said, let me make a new one. Let me make a video. I'll make a new video uh, out of, you know, some of our, because we had just shot uh, uh, a, a, a grand, I took my son and he and I both killed. We doubled a double grand slam of deer. I said, the grand slam of deer number two for my first. I said, oh, well, we'll, we'll put it together. I said, we killed some boys, 30 inch mule. We killed some big mule deer. We killed some big stuff. Mm -hmm. Two Boone and Crockett coos deer. We yes. had some good stuff, you know. <laughs> well, it was a little bit too late for that one. But by the end of the year, Franny called me. He said, holy crap. He goes, you know, we got to take everything back that what they didn't sell. He goes, we ain't selling very many. I said, oh, wow. So in the spring, uh, one of his associates, you know, Patrick Kirsch. Yeah, great I know Patrick. Uh, okay, Patrick called me. He goes, well, we got all these tapes back. <laughs> he said, uh, do you do you want some of them? I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, we got a whole bunch of these grand slams. And I said, well, what are you going to He goes, uh, whatever you don't want back, we're going to he goes, we're going to just throw them away. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> well, yeah, I'll I'll take some of them. He goes, well, I'll. He goes, you have to pay the shipping. I said, okay, <laughs> we'll send me some. You know, so it was a few weeks later. You know, I got a call from the shipping company in, in Tulsa. And they said we can't we can't deliver a truck out there where you live. You'll have to come pick these up. There's there's a pallet here for you. Huh. I said, all right. Well, I'll I'll bring a trailer. Can you load it onto a trailer? He goes, yeah, I'll just bring a little old trailer. So a little old bitty trailer pulled it right there in the middle of Tulsa. Pulled up. Holy cow, that, that pallet was like eight feet tall. Oh, no. <laughs> Six feet. Shooting cost was $800. Oh, my so How much? $800. It was 3,600 of them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> 3,600 of them. Overstock. I still got 3,500 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone's in the market for a good VHS. Someplace, well, there'll be some place. I'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bring a couple of boxes of DVDs. We'll just give them away. Yeah. <laughs> And this Patrick Kirsch he's talking about, he was the most soft-spoken, well-mannered oh. guy. And every trade, we'd I'd get to I'd get to work with him at the trade shows and and be a part of these conversations in the first few years when I started. Uh -huh. And uh, it was always because by that point, you know, I started full time oh January oh four. So that was towards it was starting to really dive off a mm. cliff towards those oh four oh five through probably oh eight oh nine. And uh, every every trade show, you know, we're trying to come up with an idea of how to sell in and and package deals and like like Roger was saying, you're just dropping your price, dropping your price, dro uh -huh. and they bring in a lot you think you really did something but at that trade show he's always coming back and say hey uh you know I, so I, I gotta sell these back to you i gotta get you know walmart walmart was brutal if you didn't sell it you oh. had to buy it back and Whoa. and pay for your shipping back i mean walmart <laughs> we it got to a point where we didn't want to get in there anymore because the allure of getting in there was you're gonna sell millions of titles you know well that just mm -hmm. wasn't the the case you get in there but you know, no the guarantee. demand just wasn't the same at that yeah. point.
it was uh it was interesting wasn't it roger oh yeah yeah and and you're right patrick is just a great guy and soft spoken yeah. and and i was with patrick uh he he had called me and he said uh he goes i i, I need to complete my uh slam for sheep and i and i know i know the place in mexico i mean i said i've got a great place or i know the guy that and so he, he booked the hunt, you know, them, the sheep hunts are not cheap as you know, yeah. you know? And so I was with Patrick. I was with Patrick when he, when he shot his desert bighorn nice. uh, down there in Mexico and we, we filmed it and, uh, uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He is just nice. just yeah. one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And Patrick now is getting ready to, he went, he went to seminary. He's got several years. Uh, you know, he's extremely religious and he's becoming an elder within the Catholic church, which is a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. He's about to, to become an elder in the Catholic church. And, and so I'm, uh, I'm very happy for Patrick. And, well, and I, I talk to him every once or twice a year. We, we get to chat. Next time you talk to him, just say hello from the juries. He was, it was always a pleasure. He always felt bad making you buy back your uh, sure <laughs> it was always a tough conversation oh, yeah. right, right. <laughs> well right, right, I, so right. you know we're kind of tell i love these old stories and i knew if we got you on this would be that i love going down memory lane like mm-hmm. this well to fast forward you know social media and what it is and and you've really adapted to it you know you have you know, well over half million followers on Facebook and you have this big presence presence on social media. And, and it's obviously it's the, it's you running your page and it's you getting on and doing your morning cup of coffee. And you kind of every once in a while have a video that'll go viral for, you know, I, I hunt because I like it. I think of that video and you, you were talking about taking veterans hunting and the experience that they had, you know, the one guy shot a young buck and then the other guy, tried to shoot an older buck and that experience and the feeling that they had not to lose it and don't get caught up in aging and shoot what you want to shoot. Like what has it been like for you to adapt and, and continue to relate with that younger generation and audience on the social media side? Well, I, you know, I, re- I, I rebelled for a long time with it, you know, uh, uh, Todd Carpernall, who was a, a, a close friend of mine, he's not even in the industry now, but Todd ran my Facebook page. And and in the early goings, about that second, there was one year I never went on Facebook. Todd ran the page for me and would post stuff. And, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I just finally kind of had to say, hey, wait a minute, it, social media is not going away. Mm-mm. It's here no. to stay. And it's, and it's a way that you can connect with everybody and just, so I, I had some new rule. I had some rules. I, I keep religion and politics off my page. Mm-hmm. I, I don't touch religion or politics. Now, what other people do, that's their business, but I don't touch religion and politics. And I try to just be open and friendly with everybody and let, let people kind of let their hair down a little bit, as long as they don't get too wacky on me, you know. And, uh, and I post, you know, I, I post two to five posts every single day. Yeah. I don't, there's not a single day goes by that I don't. And that's the key to that. Staying active with them. And, yeah. and I have certain people that I know when they get up every morning, they looked on my page to see what's new, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's here, it's here to stay. And, and, uh, and, and it, you just have to live with it. You have to live with it. No, I don't, I don't mind. And I put 
you know, crazy stuff on there. And, and, but I just put, you know, try to make it personal with, with the guys. And I, I move, I move and I'm very careful with, with, I post stuff about sports, but I'm real careful. You know, when you, if you start talking about Michigan and Ohio state, <laughs> and that's a great, great, you have to be real careful there. You can make somebody mad real, that's right. you know, or, or Alabama and Auburn. Oh yeah. I'm you know, boy, the Cardinals had a rough year, didn't they? They Jimmy. did. Oh. Roger's a huge Cardinal fan, and he, oh. and he, uh, he, the post that I loved just recently was you inviting Shoyatani to the Cardinals and saying, Hey, if you sign with the Cardinals, I'll take you on a hunt. <laughs> I love that. I, I got the biggest <laughs> kick out of that. <laughs> if anybody could bring Shoyatani to the Cardinals, it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was almost painful. I, I'll tell you how. My first St. Louis Cardinal game was at Old Sportsman's Park. Yep. Stan Musial's last year in wow. 1963. Whoa, nice. And he wasn't an everyday player back then, you know. And I was, what, I was eight or nine years old. And my dad loved the Cardinals, and he loved Stan Musial. And, and I'll never forget, in the ninth inning of that game, his last year, and the Cardinals were playing the Houston Colts. Uh, wow. Okay. Way before you boys time. <laughs> yeah. Houston Colts. And in the ninth inning, St. Louis was beating them. I mean, they were losing. St. Louis was losing like seven to three or something. And then the announcer come on in the bottom of the ninth. Inch hitting for the St. Louis Cardinals. Stan Musial. And they got Stan Musial into that game. And my dad lit up, and he was, I used the word giddy. He, he just got all worked up, and I'll never forget him looking over me, and he said, he was just, son, don't ever forget this. Nice. Wow. You're going to get to see Stan Musial play. That's pretty and special. I'll never, I'll never forget. I got to see Stan Musial play. That's funny. You know? I took my son last year and Albert Pujols last season, and it was the last season with the Cardinals, and uh, I, I, we left early from school one day, and I took him to the, a day game, and it was, it was one of the last day games of the season of Albert's final year, and we were rushing into the stadium, and he hit his final grand slam. He hit a grand Unreal. slam as we were walking into the stadium, and so he got to see. I put him on my shoulders. He got to see him crossing home plate, and those are, you know. And now he says, I got to see you know Albert hit a grand yeah. slam, and it's Red like those, day. those memories, like. Albert, Stan, those are those are once in a generation or every other generation type players. That's pretty. That's a pretty special moment. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, see, my 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 dad had an uncle, Uncle Earl, that lived in St. Louis, and he was a one-eyed bus driver. No, <laughs> one-eyed bus driver in St. Louis, Missouri, and was retired. And somehow, I never ever got the story. Of course, he's long gone. I wished I had. Somehow. He befriended Augie Bush. Nice. Who was, you know, the at the time the owner of the St. Louis. So back in the sixties, middle middle to late sixties, we went to St. Louis every year and saw two or three series and one and once a week. Now my Aunt Ethel, who was his wife, my Uncle Earl liked to drink, okay? <laughs> and down in their down in their basement, there always were was cases and cases of Budweiser. And she said, once a week, the Budweiser truck pulls up in front of our house and Augie Bush makes sure that wow. Uncle Earl keeps 
keeps plenty of beer on him. So. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I got to see that this thing about baseball back in the mid to late sixties, the people I got to see in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, the Aaron and Mays oh, and, yeah. and the Cardinals, you know, Gibson and Brock. And, yep. Oh, buddy, I got to see a bunch of, and about, about, it was the year that my mom, my mom passed away in 03. And she died on a Monday morning, got way up in the morning. And I'm scheduled to be in Albany, New York that weekend at a deer show uh-huh. to pull my, I used to have a trailer. I just sold that a couple of weeks ago. Thank God it's gone. But I used to pull this 20 foot trailer and had my 12 biggest whitetails in it. I call them the dirty dozen. And I'm pulling this trailer to Albany, New York. And my mom passed away on a, on, and I'm just, just, uh, tough, tough thing. Sure. You know, your mom's still alive. Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she is. She got, got her deer. I remember she got her deer a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, grandma. Yeah. I will come on there. With, Yep. Yeah. Congratulatory to her. But uh, your grandmother. Yes, your yep. grandmother. Yep. And uh, but my mom passed away. And, and I told Darlene, I said, we're going to have the funeral tomorrow afternoon. She goes, well, that's off quick. I said, I don't care. I said, we're gonna have, I said and then I'm going to get in that truck and get in big red. I said, and I'm heading off. I'm getting out of here. I said, that's the best medicine I could possibly have. Yeah. Get me on the road and get me out in front of some sportsmen. Boy, losing my mom was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. that's a lot of what we did. But coming back from the course, you know, I cried the whole way. That was a long trip. Sure. But coming back, which is, it's 1,500 miles from Albany, New York to Tulsa. Coming back, I, I, there was a sign there and it said, Cooperstown, New York, 20, 22 miles. I said, man, I've earned this one. <laughs> I've turned that truck. I went to Cooperstown, New York to see the baseball hall of fame, you know, and toured that. Oh yeah. And I, I was shocked at how many plates there. I saw him play. I saw him play. I saw him. Oh, there was a bunch of them that I saw play there in St. Louis, you know, there in the the, the 60s. Cooperstown is the coolest place that we went when Jim Tomey got inducted, Mark, Terry, and myself went. Yeah. And it is the coolest experience. I can't wait to one day go with my son. It, sure. It's the neatest. It's a quaint little town uh-huh. tucked away in, you know, up, up, you know, northern New York. I guess it'd be northern New York, right? I'm trying to think where what part yeah, of New York. Yeah. It, it's yeah. kind of the middle of nowhere. It takes a while to get there. It does. It's just it's just a little old village. It's yeah. in a little old small town. Yeah. 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 But it's a neat it's a neat experience. Yeah, it's, snapshot it's in history there. <clears throat> so oh yeah absolutely. you you mentioned big red so this truck of yours yeah i just saw you had to put a new engine in it right it went how many seven hundred fifty thousand miles how many miles did you well, go with- oh no, i got i got five hundred and twelve thousand <laughs> and uh i tell you, you know, I, I laugh i say my truck's more famous than i am you know, boy <laughs> if my Facebook numbers lagging a little bit i just throw something about big red up there and boom boy there you go. <laughs> man guys are interested in my truck but, uh, but i started having some issues with it last summer start burning oil and i thought uh-oh this is not good you know what but i'm trying to make it to five hundred thousand. Yeah. and 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 when we're in we're of course i'm in texas every december and we're getting ready to head back to oklahoma and i'm at i'm at uh 400 and uh, uh, 99,087. And I thought, Hey, we're going to roll over 500 when we get on the turnpike that loops you around San Antonio. I said, that's a perfect place. I said, well, I hope we got, 
Sure enough, just got on that turnpike. So I got John. I said, we're going to go live Facebook. We're going to go live Facebook when this thing rolls over 500,000. And there's not much traffic on that. So it was just a perfect, it was just it was ideal. So yeah. I did. I, I tell the story. It was just good timing about when I bought Big Red and how I bought it and why I bought it. Da, 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 da. And, I, and there it is, 500,000. I, I pull over to the side of the road and I, I showed them the thing, 500,000. And uh, not immediately, but in the next week or so, that thing had over 100,000 views. but it pooped out on me out this summer it just we were getting ready to you know i got uh uh, i got 17 grandkids you know and some of them don't live with us but uh (laughs) one of the 10 year that we've had since he's little bitty we've had him all his life he plays football he likes people and we're going to oklahoma city to a football game luckily before we got out of town that it it just died Mm. just just, just died. Uh oh. So we got him to Oklahoma City, not, but not big. I stayed back with Big Red. Had it. In, make a long story short, Brian at Poplin's Deacon, he called me. He goes, well, he goes, we had, we had to put it's thousand bucks just to get it started. Had to put a sensor on it. He goes, it's probably not good news. He goes, oh, for a couple of thousand bucks, we could, uh, we can get it running to where you can run around in town. He goes, but. He goes, any cold weather, I, he goes, I just wouldn't take it off the road. You just, so I'm having to, you know, kick the rock. And I, you know what? It wasn't even that hard of a decision, if you want to know the truth. I I thought, man, everybody loves Big Red and, and that, you know, and, and got lucky. I'm out on the shooting range, out on the shooting range when the phone rang. And Brian said, hey, I found a 7.3 diesel in it, in the crate. In Oklahoma City, brand new with a full two-year Ford warranty. He goes, it's going to be a, almost fifteen grand. He goes, but he goes, I can't. He goes, it's it's. And so I, I called another mechanic that I have a lot of confidence in. He said, well, he goes, people love that truck. He said, you can't replace it for fifteen grand. He said, and with a new seven point three, anytime you want to get your money back out of it, you can. So I give him the thumbs up. So Big Red now has a brand new 7.3 diesel. And I thought about this morning. I thought one of these days I'll be gone. And one and my kids, one of, one of my kids or grandkids will be driving Big Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still I'm never going to live long. Another 500,000 miles on that thing. That's that's in, yeah, that's insane. Jeez. Wow. Right. Well, tra- a legend is driving a legend. That's right. Well, wow. Roger, before we depart, is there anything, any words of advice or words of wisdom that you can part us with, give our audience before we head into the thick of deer season here, October, November in front of us, the best part of the year, the part we all love. What kind of advice do you have for our our audience? Well, you know, I just think you should just enjoy, enjoy the season enjoy the and I, I know I know I sound like a, a cracked record when I say this, you know, but, you know, I mean, I've been really, uh, I'll tell you one, this, this, this really did happen. And I, and I did a live face. I've been trying to do a live Facebook at least once a week here recently, just to, and I, and I said this on the live Facebook, I said, uh, I saw, uh, and it was somebody, it, it was, uh, I think field and stream had done an article. I didn't read the article, the 10 greatest deer hunters. And, uh, and, and someone, and I think Bill Jordan was, was one that they had picked and somebody was kind of 
saying some negative things, whatever. And I said, I didn't read the article. I said, and, and I said, I didn't need to read. I know I'm not on there and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. I said, but Mark, Martin Terry Drury, I think should be, uh, the, uh, the 10 greatest deer hunters uh, in America. And I, and I do believe that, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, uh, but you have to throw all that stuff that, that everyone says out the window, no offense to anybody. And, and for yourself, every, every deer hunter is in a different place in his life. You know, some guys have killed a lot of bucks and they, they only want to shoot something bigger than what they've already killed. And some guys only want to shoot a deer that's at least four, five, six years old. And some guys want to do some guy, but if you're wherever you're at in your experience, if this one is the one that just makes your toenails curl and you get so excited and you start slobbering out of both corners of your mouth. If that's a legal buck, I think you should shoot that one (laughs) and not worry about what everybody else is doing. That's right. It's your experience. You enjoy the moment. I lost my best friend I ever had in my life in March. And I already had it planned out. When I die, and he had the he I, he had instructions to come to the house to what to do with my guns and what to do with this and what to do with that. It never dawned on me that he was going to die before me in an automobile accident yeah, out sorry. of a wild blue. Just you never know when it's going to be your last day. You never know when it's going to be your last season. Enjoy. There's nothing greater than this experience of hunting white. I just think hunting white tails is the greatest thing in the world. Enjoy your experience, your experience. Throw everything else, what everybody else thinks out the window, and you enjoy your experience to the utmost. And at the end of the season, hopefully you get, you know, it was a great time and you, you know, your hopes and dreams and get fulfilled. And, but, there's nothing greater than this sport as long as you just stay focused and enjoy for yourself and with your friends and family. Have a good time and don't let anything else bother you. Amen. Wow. Well, those are that's why he's a legend. <laughs> if if you're just listening to the show, Matt and I are smiling so hard right now. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of motivation and inspiration we need going in, into the season. But it also again <laughs> right. just reaffirms why Roger is such a legend. He just gets people excited and, and, and happy about being a hunter. It's just genuine. And, uh, and yes, it comes authentic. and shows. So yep. we thank you very much for 37 years of helping educate, entertain, and inform you know, the whitetail deer hunter. And uh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. And, and I'm still wanting to get you in here. Next time you're in St. Louis, I want you on set with us the next time. All right, we'll try <clears throat> Try to do our best. It's my privilege. Proud, proud of all of you, what you're doing. So, And thanks for having me. Thank you, Roger. Roger Rag. The privilege was ours. Wow. <laughs> all right. Let's end it there. That's all right. Until next time, peace out. See ya. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. 
Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.